This is Too Much Grit to Quit. Sports personalities Shelly Till and Dave O'Hara bring you non-sugar-coated stories of the famous, not-so-famous, and everyday hometown heroes who have overcome adversity and incredible challenges to achieve success. Too Much Grit to Quit. Discover the key to unlock the chains that keep you from achieving your dreams. Please subscribe, like, share, and download today. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome in to Too Much Grit to Quit. I am Shelly Till alongside my friend and co-host, Dave O'Hara, and we are thrilled to have you back again this week for another episode of Too Much Grit to Quit. We have one of the grittiest guys I think I've ever met, uh, just a, a top-notch, first-class gentleman who tears it up in the NFL on the football field. This guy is not afraid to get after it, Dave. No, I tell you what, and, and I know he's near and dear to your heart, too, because obviously he's very close, the duo of your son-in-law, George Kittle, but and, and a teammate, and also an Iowa connection with C.J. Beathard, but I am excited to, to meet this gentleman over the phone. I have not met him yet, and as you know, Shelly, and a lot of listeners, I've mentioned on and off the air that I've worked, at, I covered a lot of sports in the Bay Area for many years, and you know, know a lot about the Niners, and but not the personal knowledge um, just talking to you off the air, I was excited to talk to Trent Taylor anyway. But I'll tell you what, Shelly, I just all the things I've heard and read, I, I'm beyond excited. And listeners, you should be very excited because what's upcoming, I think, is going to be beyond cool, Shelly. Yeah, Trent Taylor is just, a, like I said, top-notch guy and uh, has really had to talk about grit. I mean, this guy has had to overcome some, some tough stuff. Uh, a lot of people want to talk about his size and, and the fact that he's 5'8 playing in the NFL. And, you know, he, he made a name for himself uh, at Louisiana Tech, and he is continuing to make a name for himself in the NFL, that is for sure. So stay tuned for Trent. He's, he's going to have some great insight for us and uh, looking forward to, to having him and talking about his grit. Very excited. And as you said, too, uh, you know, just besides being a quality person, quality human being, uh, you just can't help but be impressed. You look at his stats from high school, you look at his stats in college, and then he gets to the NFL. And, you know, Shelly, you and I have talked about this, and we're going to get into uh, another subject here in just a second. But I wanted to leave you with this thought, listeners. And Shelly knows this inside and out as well with her own kids and also her son-in-law, but I know as well myself and and with my daughter as well. You know, Shelly, it is so interesting that every time we talk to an athlete like Trent and like your son-in-law, George. Yeah, they had a great high school, they had a great college, and then they go to the NFL, but every time we talk to these folks, they always talk about, yeah, but that means nothing. It took me to where I am, but now i got to start all over again. So mm-hmm. that mentality just blows me away, the championship quality of these folks. Yeah, and it, you know, it goes back to the way they were raised, yep. quite frankly. Yep. And uh, Trent comes from great stock, uh, has, has, a, has a great, very supportive football-crazy family that we'll get to hear about, <laughs> I I'm love sure. it. I love it. I've heard some of these stories. That's why I laugh, listeners, so I cannot <laughs> wait to get into it myself. So, Shelly, we got something else on the docket before we get to Trent. So uh, I just think it's something so near and dear to everybody, but in particular the Americans, and whether you're a soccer fan or not, Lay it on us, and I, I got a lot to USA. say. USA. Yes. USA. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was glued to my TV. Me the too. The United Me States too. women's soccer team won their fourth World Cup. That's just absolutely incredible. And to put it in perspective, there have only been eight World Cup trophies that have been uh, won in the in the uh, history of the FIFA World Cup, and they've, they've got four of them. Yeah. And, uh, 91, United 99, 15, and now now, back to back. Yeah, and they've defeated Netherlands in the finals. And, um, wow, it seems to me like every time uh, the women's soccer team has won 
that is really just people are just crazy rabid fans and the the crowds get bigger and bigger and across the the country and you know they're taking up prime time space and everybody's talking about him and the one thing that i loved that really stood out to me dave is after every uh game when they were being interviewed whether it was uh megan rapino or it really didn't matter uh who they were talking to hey don't forget would... don't forget kelly o'hara no relation to me by the way but uh oh, no and julie er- <laughs> julie ertz you know we talk about alex, ertz, alex yes. morgan yeah the, the uh, stars yeah, yeah. But they kept saying the one word that came out of every one of their mouths was grit. Yep. And they were they were asked, how did you pull this off or how did you overcome this adversity or this challenge? And they would just shake their heads and say, you know, this team is special and we just showed a lot of grit. Even the head coach said we just showed a lot of grit. These women are gritty players and and they exemplified, you know, everything that we like to talk about on this podcast and what they've really done is not only created i think fans of the game of soccer but they have created a movement yes and uh, a movement in terms of uh, you know a lot of talk about equal pay and the fact that this is probably the only sport where you have men's and women's sport uh, both sides of the sport and i think this is the only sport that the women at this level are actually bringing in making more money than the men's side of the game in U.S. soccer right now. And that's always, always the blanket excuse that you hear out of people when that whole equal pay debate comes up. The number one thing that comes out of people's mouths is, well, yeah, but the guys make more money. Mm -hmm. They bring in more revenue. Therefore, they deserve to be paid more. Well, not the case. And it is going to looks like it might be going uh, to the Hill in, in form of a, a bill where there's some political uh, politicians getting behind this and trying to actually force the hand of the Federation. And so, I mean, I, I you know what? I say kudos to the United States women's soccer team. I think they're amazing. I love watching them. I love everything they're, they're about. Growing up a female athlete, uh, being in sports my entire life, even in the broadcasting world, it's nonstop. You're nonstop being told you're not good enough or you don't deserve this because fill in the blank. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's amazing, and I love the movement. Well, you know what I think you brought up too, and we talked about this off the air. And I meant the, the reason I wanted to mention Julie Ertz and had to joke a little bit. There is a Kelly O'Hara, but no relation to me. <laughs> She's a little more talented in soccer than I would be even close to. But you know, the reason I wanted to mention besides the Alex Morgans and the Megan Rapinos is Julie Ertz is because her husband, someone near and dear to your son-in-law George Kittle, yeah. her husband Zach, tight end for the world champion a couple of years ago, Philadelphia Eagles. Isn't that sad, though, that it had to take Zach and other men, like you said, and, and go, oh, by the way, women's soccer is outdrawing or out, you know, g- getting more as much or more revenue than the men. And the men lost to Mexico in their World Cup final and the women, uh, excuse me, in their World Cup qualifier or the, the Gold Cup, it's called. The men have two years in America and two years and it's every other two years for men and women. But to your exact point. I'm very happy, but I'm somewhat saddened in the fact we had to go through all this, Shelley, all this hullabaloo of, okay, well, it makes as much, and some men are supporting it now, and Julie Ertz's husband, and, you know, to me, it's just like, why can't it just be, as you mentioned, you know, being a fellow, uh, or a former um, female athlete, and I think of my daughter, and I had to explain this to her, you know, 20 years ago when she was a young lady coming up through high school and uh, sports and everything, and and to your exact point, it's unfortunate, hopefully, that there's going to be a day that we don't have to have all the yeah buts behind it and just say, here's the equal pay for the equal equal sport 
Well, exactly. But, you know, and I, I actually love the fact that Zach Ertz is getting behind it because that, what it does is it requires that kind of uh, person who has a following that normally wouldn't. No, and, 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 that, and that's why I'm saying uh, I'm glad it worked this time, but I hope we get to a day and age where we don't have to have that no, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Amen. I mean, yeah, that, that's my whole that point. Title IX yeah. passed in the 70s. Exactly. You know? and unfortunately, it's where we are, but I do think that the movement is not coming. I think the movement is here. And, Bingo. Uh, Bingo. And I loved, um, there was a, 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 it was interesting to me because one of the commentators after the uh, soccer team won the World Cup uh, made a comment that women with confidence are often wrongly labeled as arrogant. Or the B word. You're exactly right. Oh, she's yeah. this. But if it's a dude, no problem. And it's like, well, and I used right. to have to explain that with my daughter, too. And I'd, she's like, why is it that for me, but not for them, for you or other men? And I said, that's a horrible injustice. And I could not agree with you more, Shelly. That's, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, and I just think it's the more we can see women in these these roles and being gritty and being confident darn right and standing up and being strong and choosing to inspire and choosing to be great and not apologize for that you bet. that's where we need to be and so that's why for me you can think what you want to think about any of the players uh, on the soccer team i don't want to get into any of the politics of it for nor, me yeah, as nor a do woman I. Yeah, nor do I. I am all about putting a confident persona out there and you know putting it all on the line being gritty showing that camaraderie and what it takes to overcome adversity as a team and because of that they have drawn attention to the issue and now i think you can't sweep it under the rug anymore something has got to change and i think this is this is going to be that uh hole in the dam that 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 breaks the whole thing open. Well, I like what I could not agree more. And we do got to get to Trent, but I want to close this by saying I am in lockstep with you, but I think the, the most salient point besides all of it being great, the most salient point you made was we're not getting there. We're there. And I, and I don't think you could have said that any better than that, Shelly. I love hearing that. So let's get to Trent Taylor. You're good with that. And Shelly, by the way, I don't want to cut that short. We are going to have this topic of conversation and get more into uh, some more women who have gotten into coaching. We haven't had a chance to talk about this summer and some of these other uh, topics and issues in sport and in the world. So by no means do I want to cut that short, but uh, you've definitely got us uh, rolling already this, 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 this show already, Shelly. So a guy you know near and dear, Trent Taylor, upcoming, right? You bet. Let's get to Trent. I can't wait. He's, he's a Talk about another firecracker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cannot wait. Boy, I'll tell you, I, I'm going to tell him he's got a lot to live up to. Everything I've read and you said, cannot wait. So listeners, you'll be happy. to Stay tuned after this brief break with more of Too Much Grit to Quit. Shelly Till, I'm Dave O'Hara. We'll have Trent Taylor going into his third year. Wide receiver extraordinaire with the San Francisco 49ers and friend of George Kittle. Back with more in just a few moments. Welcome back in to Too Much Grit to Quit. I am Shelly Till alongside Dave O'Hara, and we are so excited to bring you our guest tonight. He is a feisty wide receiver out of Louisiana Tech, where he broke the program receptions record with 327 in a single season. He was a pick to the San Francisco 49ers. He's about to enter his third season with the Niners. He is also part of the dynamic quality time duo with his teammate George Kittle. And fun facts, fun facts. I'm revealing some facts about you, Taylor. Uh oh. You are a master ping pong player, I hear, out of the locker oh, yeah. room. There are some heated ping pong battles in that 49er locker room, and I hear you're like the victor. Trent Taylor, welcome to Too Much Grit to Quit. 
Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. And I will say about the ping pong, me and CJ were just battling it out um, probably about 30 minutes ago. And, you know, he's kind of like taking the throne from me lately, but I just whooped his tail three games in a row. <laughs> and, man, that felt so good. <laughs> nice. Well, we will – there you heard it. That's the, the first – It's it, this has gone yeah, worldwide. As possible. Global announcement that Trent Taylor yeah. just owned C.J. Beathard at the ping pong table. Well, that's the cool thing, Trent, is you're right between two University of Iowa guys, but then even though you're a native of Tennessee like CJ and then you went to Louisiana, but, uh, you know, I, I, I guess CJ is kind of straddling the line between both you and George, the, the, the duo time there, because uh, got a connection to both you guys then, right? Right, yeah, big time. Me, it's like the ping pong world <laughs> with the 49ers is like me and CJ and then everybody else is, you know, way below if I'm being brutally honest right now. <laughs> well, we love you to be brutally. Yeah, we want nothing else but that, Trent. Especially when it comes to ping pong. But hey, I got to, you know, as, as uh, Shelly, we, we were talking to him. You know, uh, Shelly's going to get into more, uh, you know, detail, and I'm going to follow her lead. But I, but I got to ask you, you know, for fifth round pick, you and George, the similarities, uh, you know, don't stop there, man. You guys, fifth round. I was saying to Shelly earlier when I was looking over your bio, I did, I knew I realized you and George are both in the fifth round in the same year in the 2017 draft i guess i didn't realize george was so much earlier in the fifth you guys were 31 picks apart so he at the beginning middle and you at towards the end uh another connection yeah, between we don't you and george. That part, ah. <laughs> i had to go there trent i had to go there low-hanging yeah. fruit but uh. but you guys also trained at exos before that correct yeah that's kind of like how we that's like got so to crazy know each about other. It. yeah that's how we got to know each other it was in dallas that's like when we first met and we were just training, like, for the combine and the draft and all that. And just became really good friends there. And then next thing you know, we both get drafted in the same round of the same team. And we're, like, FaceTiming each other with, like, my family just, like, screaming in the background and his family <laughs> screaming in the background. I was there. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> So that, was, that was a fun. That was a fun time. Well, then that CJ can crazy. hold it over you two guys because he went two rounds, not two picks, Trent. But does CJ ever yeah, bring that up that he went in the third? Yeah, he got us on that one. <laughs> yeah, but you own him on the ping pong table, so you're getting That's the last laugh. Exactly, you got the Always most important part. <laughs> hey, Trent, you got you were obviously come from a tradition of football fanatics. Uh, your grandpa Clayton was a football coach correct? He's an ex-football yes, coach. Yeah, your dad, Greg, playing at Western Kentucky. You have a brother, Trey, who played college ball at the University of Arkansas at Monticello. Yep. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing, you know, from birth, you pretty much came out with the football in your hand. And uh, just where where does that passion and that drive um, and that the impact of your grandfather and your dad have on you in terms of your, your playing football and how you play the game? I think that had, like, everything to do with it, honestly. Like, just growing up, like, as for, from as long as I can remember, it was me and my brother just wrestling each other around in the living room as my dad is, like, tossing us the football. Then we'd, like, take turns tackling each other and knocking each other out. And um, I had a bunch of cousins my age as well. And um, when I lived in Corbin, Kentucky, I lived there for, like, six years maybe before i went to louisiana mm -hmm. and um 
and we would we like created our own football field in our backyard all of our cousins would come over and like a couple friends and we would like be fully padded up and like going at it with each other and those are like some of the best memories ever right there and i would say like definitely like those times were like what made me into who i am today just being able to just like playing with that passion and you know just like having a true love for the game because it's always been a big part of my life i know your dad uh was is also a huge impact on you still is to this day but yeah. he was he always had uh, something that uh, he would always preach the details to you and your brother and, and mentioning that talent can only get you so far but the detail will take you to the next level what does being good with detail mean to you um yeah i don't think like anybody in the nfl knows that like you're not gonna make it this far unless you've like honed in on the details and like all the little things in your game um because like in college there were plenty of guys that like had way more talent than i did um guys that were way more physically blessed with their height and strength and all that than i was but most of the most of those guys they didn't really have the details um put together and they didn't have their head fully in the game um you know they didn't pay attention to the small things like that so that's how you know a guy like me can just slowly come up and pass those guys up and uh make it to the nfl this is Too Much Grit to Quit. I'm joined by Shelly Till. I'm Dave O'Hara, and Trent Taylor is our guest. And Trent, going into his third year with the San Francisco 49ers and wide receiver. And Trent, you know, it's interesting when we talk about George and CJ and Shelly and I are two University of Iowa and Iowa natives and, and, and live in different parts of Iowa but are still there. And so we're obviously very tuned to Hawkeye athletics. But, you know, there's so many things that enter my mind when I read your story. And Shelly, you know, tells me a lot of tidbits uh, from George. And so I don't know how accurate these are because it's filtered from George to Shelly to me, so oh boy, bear, bear with me, bear with me, <laughs> There's Trent. Your first problem. Yeah, there you go. So bear with me, Trent. You understand, but what, what I find yeah. just uh, the, the and I, I hate to keep lumping you in with, with George and 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 CJ, but but good company oh, as good. far yeah, it's good company as far as we're concerned. But you know, all the right. all a guy hears it seems like you had kind of a multi-edged sword you know George out of Iowa well he didn't play enough and he was nicked up a little bit and then they realized oh my god he's fast and oh by the way he's the best tight end in football and I look at your numbers and I see what you did in high school and I see what you did at Louisiana Tech and then you know you've got to fight that quote-unquote small you know mid-major type label in college and yeah. you know CJ f- fights the same thing playing behind uh, Rudock at Iowa and then he finally gets his yeah. break and so I, I always you know to Shelly's point about your grandpa and, and, and your dad was it a lot of family support because like a lot of guys like George we talked to about this and I've talked to CJ in the past when other interviews and I, I love the fact that a lot of athletes or people in life use that quote unquote negativity or underestimation as fuel besides your family support was it self-induced and Side of you that hey, I'm going to show these guys that I am from a small school. Yeah, but I'm. You mentioned guys being talented, uh, more talented than you. But with your attention to detail and busting your butt every day, that's going to win the day. And do you use that as fuel when you hear stuff like that from other people? Uh, yeah, I would say yeah. You just always kind of hear that negative talk in right. the background, like whether you want to hear it or not. Um, I think. Like, being in the NFL, like, I think anybody in the NFL, they've had doubters that, like, th- that they're going to make it. And there's always somebody out there that's doubting 
everybody in the NFL, honestly. Like, there's always negative sure. talk going on, no matter who you are. So I don't like think that like it's only coming at me because I'm an undersized guy or anything like that. No, but, but that whole mid-major when you hear like you know even quarterbacks and then you see guys and like CJ. So it's lack of uh, it's not the lack of physical size as much as just being underestimated. Like I said in George's case, and it's so fascinating that everybody sees George out there you know running the field, blowing away not just linebackers but D backs, and everybody's going, "Well, he's fast." And, and Shelly and I are like, or any other Iowa fan, we're like, "Yeah, we're aware." So I meant yeah. more about that than not not really the size so much. It just being underestimated period you know being from a smaller school like louisiana tech okay yeah i mean that's just like yeah that's like an edge that you can bring into the nfl because nobody like nobody's really heard of you nobody knows your name like even though like the numbers i put up at louisiana tech everybody else is like like what what is your name again like i've never heard of (laughs) well that in high school too uh, your numbers were off the charts too and i'd say the same thing you know that just right yeah so like that's what i had to do going into college you got to recreate it all Mm -hmm. over again from the bottom up and uh that's just kind of what i've been trying to do since uh i've entered the nfl now you know everything that i did in college has nothing to do with my success in the nfl that's like what got me here but all the numbers and all the catches that I had in college, that, that means nothing now. So once again, it's just about starting from the bottom and just building your way up. Love and, that uh, attitude. Love that attitude. All that grit. Out. All that grit, Shelly. All that grit. That's right. Hey, Trent, I know you you looked up to your father who played Greg. Um, and your mom, Mickey, is a huge support for you. As we mentioned earlier, your grandpa, uh, Clayton, was a high school football coach. Um, when you're In addition to that, support and them pushing you just I'm curious to know from your standpoint as a young player and even in college who did you look up to who did you want to emulate uh, in the NFL uh well like ever since I was in high school I've heard the name Wes Walker um every time like somebody like saw me have a good game or something so that's been like that's been since the beginning that I've heard Wes Walker come up and now to have him as my receivers coach, that's pretty wild, honestly. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. But um, so like like just from everybody saying that my whole life, I was like, well, I guess I need to like pay attention to who this guy <laughs> is, and, and, and figure out figure out what he did that was so right, and try to you know try to match that. But you, but you, you know what I love about that though, Trent, as I was uh, mentioning this to Shelly off the air too. But but that's it, another label. It's not even really being small in stature physically. It's you're a possession type receiver is where you know they have code right. in the NFL and I, I would laugh when someone would say about you, you know, well Trent Taylor a possession receiver. I'm like, well good. You go ahead and cover Marquise uh, Goodwin on the outside cuz he's a bl- Olympic sprinter. Uh exactly. you're, co- you're a guy across who the field from you. Right, right, who just won a million bucks. Fast <laughs> This guy in the NFL, but then I'm you know, sure, yeah. yeah. If you're underestimated, man, you you run long, and that's why I love about like with George. Oh, he's a possession tight end. X thing, you know, 85 yards later, pay dirt, you know. And the same with you. I mean, the speed is there, but that's part of that being underestimated with those labels again, being a possession type receiver. Yeah, that's just kind of like you can't really pay attention to those right, things right, in the right. NFL. Like, there's always somebody saying something about you, trying to figure you out. And as soon as you get lost into all that noise on the outside, then you're you're paying attention to the wrong stuff. Love it, love it. That's, that's how I feel about it. So Trent, it, let's talk about uh, Wes Walker. And now that he is coaching you, this is going to be a two part question. Um, so right. I want to know what is the best thing that you've learned from Wes Walker so far as your coach, 
And then what's some of the best coaching feedback that you've ever received, period, throughout your lifetime? Oh, man. I'll start with start with the first one. Um, like, I've had a couple people ask me that, like, since we've had OTAs and everything with Wes. With West. And, uh, like, my dad and some of my college coaches are asking me, like, what's something that he's taught you this for? Like, uh-huh. what's something that you've taken away from him? And I don't think I can, like, pinpoint a specific thing that he's taught me. But just to, like, hear him talk, you can you can hear, like, that passion in his voice and, like, the edge that he, he likes to play with. And he brings that in, into the coaching room as well. And uh, when it comes to just, like, explaining routes and trying to teach routes to us, he, like, gives us, like, there's so many scenarios that he plays off in his head you know, different situations that would change the route up. You know, if they're playing you this way, then you can run it like this. Or here's a different example. You know, I ran it like this one time. And uh, just to, like, hear him explain, like, all the different ways because there's, like, endless ways that you can run a certain route um, depending on how the defense is playing you. And just, like, the way that he explains it was something that, like, opened my – I feel like it opened my mind up to, like, a whole – different thought process which i think could end up like really helping me in the long run very cool and then the the second part of that is uh best some of the best coaching feedback that you've ever received um like something that i just like something that really stuck with me from a coach yeah i don't know i like it can be it can be all the skill wise i look back at like everything that I remember is like something that my dad taught me because he was, he was the same kind of guy that, you know, played with a chip on his shoulder and like didn't listen to what anybody told him. And he just, you know, kept, he just put his head down and kept working, didn't listen to the noise. And, um, something that's always stuck with me, um, like when I was training in high school and like throughout college, um, he'll ask me like, have you trained harder than your opponent is today? Like, there's a million guys going for the same job that you are, like trying to get to the NFL. Have you worked harder than they have today? Hmm. You know, that's just like a constant question to ask yourself every day. Like, are you working harder than the next guy? Like, mm-hmm. you got to figure out a way to take that next step um, ahead of your competition because everybody wants, you know, everybody wants to play in the NFL. There's a million guys trying to do it, so. Um, that's just kind of something that I try to ask myself daily. Well, you know, Trent, that's Correct. interesting, like to Shelley's question in reference to Welker, but then you take a look at George, and it, like with your dad and grandpa, George Kittle gets his messages, uh, still gets, you know, six-page letters pregame from his dad, Bruce Kittle, who played at Iowa and now coaches uh, with Trent Dilfer at the Academy yeah. in Tennessee. And, and then you take a look at with Welker, and now Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is, your, is your quarterback, and John Lynch, there's a whole lot of Super Bowl or winning experience with Garoppolo being a backup to Brady and the Patriots and Welker playing there, uh, and also yeah. Welker being a great player at Texas Tech in the open field with Mike Leach and all that type of offensive mind power. You know, so as you and Shelley and I were talking about with your grandpa and your dad, there's really a lot more cerebrally, you know, between the years going on there with, with uh, not just 
hey, run this route and do this, this, this little bit of direction. There seems to be a great philosophical switch going there, too, with, again, Kyle Shanahan with great, you know, winning tradition with his dad and Super Bowls and Kyle himself. And then you look at John Lynch as a player, your GM now. And uh, you, yeah. I tell you what, they are building a heck of a heck of a brain trust there. And, boy, I'm just hearing nothing but benefits for guys like you and George. Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm loving, you know, the situation that I'm in right now. I feel like just like – all the players on the 49ers, like, I don't think we, we could be, like, in a better, like, right, staff, right. our general manager, John Lynch. <laughs> like, every time that guy talks, like, people sit up straight and they listen. <laughs> I bet. I remember I remember my rookie year, uh, John Lynch came and talked to us, like, the night before a game. And me and George were sitting next to each other. And, you know, as soon as he got done talking, we both looked over at each other and we were like, Oh my gosh, this dude is for real. <laughs> well, you were mentioning your dad, you know, putting a hit on somebody. Have you ever seen film of Lynch playing either with the Broncos or the Buccaneers? Oh, yeah. Oof. It's filthy. Yeah, he'll lay the hammer on you. I'm glad I didn't play against him. So. <laughs> and, you know, to that point, Trent, I just want to keep going on that because I, I, it appears to me, and I, I said this after watching you guys the first year, it, you know, they've, they've done such an excellent job of bringing in you had the most uh, number of rookies on the, in the NFL, your, your rookie season. What were yeah. there like 13 of you, I think. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. So point being, you know, uh, fans always want to win, 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 win. Now we want it. Now there's zero patience amongst, amongst fans, but I've, and I've had this conversation with several people. I kept saying, give them, three to four years just give them three to four years and you're going to be amazed and what is your what is the sense that you get from in in terms of that and amongst your teammates in the locker room like i know it's it, it's say, sometimes like, hard to start over not that you're starting over but you know i mean there wasn't a lot of wins that first year so what do you what do you kind of what's the overall feeling in the locker room in terms of where you guys are going this season i think like what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, like, they have a very specific plan, and, like, they know they know exactly where they want to take this organization, and they know exactly the steps that it's going to take. And, you know, when you have some people who, like, have their exact plan, they trust their plan, and they have everybody in the, in the facility, like, along with them trusting the plan, you know, we like it didn't exactly go as planned. Obviously, like we didn't plan on losing that many games, but um, they know exactly like what they're looking for, and they know that you know they're building something good over here, and um, they have all the players' trust as well. Like we believe that they're doing everything they can and putting everybody in the right position, getting the right guys in here um, because they have an end goal plan, which is to eventually win a Super Bowl, and. Um, it's taken us a little bit longer than we would hope, but um, they still believe in their plan, like, no matter what happens. And um, it's cool to see that, you know, they're not mm-hmm. the type of guys that kind of just like, oh, something bad happened, let's switch everything up. Like, no, they they know what they're doing and they trust um, everybody that they have in the position to make the right decisions and uh, to get this back to a winning organization again. So um, that's just a good feeling to have, like, to have a whole front office that you really trust um, 
to make all the right decisions and put us in a winning situation. And I want to extend upon what Shelly and you and I were just talking about and go into uh, the past and then moving into the future. But before we do that, I want to let the listeners know, again, you're listening to Too Much Grit to Quit. My friend and co-host Shelly Till, I'm Dave O'Hara, and Trent Taylor joins us. Trent, the uh, going into his third year as a wideout wide receiver for the uh, up-and-coming, and I hate to even say up-and-coming because you guys are rolling uh, last year and even the year before when uh, CJ got some time after Jimmy got hurt, and you guys have hit, really hit some strides. If you can put that together early in the season, tough division, right. obviously, with the Rams and the Seahawks in the West and, and the Cardinals, for that matter. But I wanted to ask you about that when Shelly had mentioned about your grandpa and dad, and I'd kind of gone in with you about your college and your background. But to that point, we talked about John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, but, you know, and I mentioned Marquise Goodwin, and I love the fact that you're like, I'm jealous. That was a million bucks. <laughs> yeah, it, pay, yeah. it pays to have some wheels. But to that point, Man, though, yeah. you know, you, you see Eddie D, Eddie uh, DeBartolo was still around uh, after Dwight Clark passed away your rookie year, and what a great outpouring of, and, and not that these guys put on a uniform with you, but, you know, Jerry Rice did last year. I saw him running routes with you guys when I was out in the Bay Area. Oh, and, he had the cleats on with us. <laughs> that was amazing. So, so you guys talk about, impressive. yeah, you talk, yeah, very impressive, and I didn't want to cut you off. I just wanted to have you expound upon that or expand on that a little bit, but also, you know, with a wideout like Jerry Rice, again, different size guy than you, but still talent, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it from a wide receiver position, but you mentioned Lynch's motivational speech, and then I got to believe, and I see Joe Montana's around a lot, and Steve Young, and so let's start with Jerry Rice, what you got from that last year, but talk about some of that heritage that still bumps around those hallowed halls all the time. Yeah, you can just see, like, Jerry Rice has always been known for his work ethic, his work ethic, and... uh, Running those hills. Yeah, right. Running yep. those seals, like that's all you hear about. And like when he comes around into the locker room and everything, like the fact that he came out to practice with us, put on his cleats, and he was doing like stances <laughs> and starts. Fifty-five like, years old, yeah, fifty-five. And uh, we like turned on the practice film, and like during the team period, you see him like in the very back. He's just like watching the ball, and as soon as we snap it on the field, he's getting off the ball and just like running <laughs> with us the whole time. Jeez. Um, that's kind of like it's cool to like see that because you can learn like this dude was like for real like and he's still like that that's just the kind of guy that he is mm-hmm. and um, and that's like that's kind of the type of work ethic that you need like you gotta be a little crazy in the head uh, to play this game and your work ethic has to be like it can't be any type of normal you know, it's got to be different. It's got to be a little more than everybody else. Like, you got to have some type of something, some some edge that takes you further than, than the rest of um, – everybody else that's trying to do the same thing as you are. Yeah, and there's not many franchises that can dig that deep into the well of greatness in the past. I guess the Steelers, maybe the Packers, and now, you know, the 49ers with all those Super Bowl rings too. Right, yeah. It's really cool to have all those guys around, and it's just like – it motivates me a lot because, like, for them, for me to go up and shake their hand, you know, it's kind of embarrassing right now because I've been a part of, like, only losing seasons so far. You know, and you feel like you really want to, like, pay those guys respects by like, going out there and mm-hmm. winning games for the organization. So it's kind of 
Uh, it's a motivating factor as well. It's, it's, it's a good thing. That's awesome. Shelly, let's take a quick break, and then we come back. Uh, we'll get more into Trent Taylor. Again, this is Too Much Grit to Quit. She's Shelly Tell. I'm Dave O'Hara. And again, uh, Trent uh, Taylor going into his third year with the San Francisco 49ers as a wide receiver. And we are catching him between OTAs. And Trent, I want you to think about this as we go to commercial break, as I'm sure you probably have. Uh, training camp starts in a little over two and a half weeks, right? Uh oh! Yep. <laughs> so, sorry to be the bearer. Of... I'm ready for it? Though. <laughs> Good. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to make it happen. Yeah, I didn't want to be the bearer of bad news. I love that though. Uh oh! Yeah, I'm sure you're more than ready, you and your guys. But hey, let's uh, run into yeah. a quick break, and we'll, again, we'll continue with more of Too Much Grit to Quit with Trent Taylor, Shelley Till. I'm Dave O'Hara. Back with more in just a few moments. And welcome back in to Too Much Grit to Quit. I am Shelley Till. He is Dave O'Hara, and we are joined by the great wide receiver out of the San Francisco 49ers, Trent Taylor. Hey, yeah. There we go. Trent, you're crushing it. Yeah, I just want you to know you might be the best San Francisco 49er interview that we've had thus far. Ooh, incentive. So like, Between you and me. I'm over And the rest of the world. Yes, that's what I meant. There we in go. case you didn't catch that. Hey, before we went to the break, you were talking about uh, all the legends coming back and and you made a comment that that stuck out to me and i just want to uh go back to that because you said you know when you were talking to the legends it was like you're almost felt bad or embarrassed because y'all haven't won listen to me i'm saying y'all because the way you talk you got me talking you got me using the draw <laughs> there we right? go That's what dubuque yeah, iowa Greg, shelley dubuque iowa Greg and mickey would be so proud of you right now yeah. um but y- you mentioned that because of the 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 record and obviously that is a huge everybody gets into the nfl you you want to win a super bowl championship you happen to be in the most storied franchise in the nfl and you have so many mm-hmm. great legends i mean you just walk down the hallways i've had the opportunity to to walk through those hallways and the uh with george and just seeing all of the pictures and the right. awards and it's incredible so being in that culture has got to be just so motivating for you and I yeah. know that the you know you look at it you might look back and think oh well we failed I don't think you, you guys have, I'm like I am the most optimistic San Francisco 49er <laughs> fan I think there is in the country because I just keep looking at this from a coaching perspective and I'm so glad that you mentioned about John Lynch and and Kyle Shanahan and just they have a process and you guys have right. bought into that process and you have had to face adversity you know yep. Jimmy gets hurt and then CJ gets hurt, and then Nick comes in, Nick Mullins, and you know, you guys were like the walking wounded for yeah. the last couple of years. But what I want to know from you personally, because we we read about the team adversity and all of that, mm-hmm. but from you, because overcoming adversity is one of the themes of this podcast. Like yeah. we want people to tell their unsugarcoated stories. Like no, uh, you know, don't tell us the pretty stuff. We want right. to know. The biggest. So, t- share with the, our our listeners what's one of the biggest adversities that you've personally faced thus far in your career. And that is an easy question. I um, had back surgery um, in the off season of last year, so I had back surgery, and then I was supposed to be cleared like um, right, like right as camp was starting, like a week into camp. And um, so I had the back surgery. Like I've never, I've never missed a game before in my life. Like I've never had any type of serious surgery or injury or anything like that. So like 
that was just like a shock for me, like as it was. Um, so I had the back surgery, and so I'm like haven't really been able to train the way I wanted to, going into fall camp, and uh, you know leading into week one, and so. No, I didn't think much of it. I just thought I would, you know, as soon as I get back on the field, you know, things are back to normal. I'm going to continue to build off my rookie season. But, man, that was – last year was one of the longest seasons, like, of my life. You know, my body – my body just, like, couldn't keep up with um, the whole NFL season. Like, I wasn't able to train the way I needed to um, throughout the offseason, and it definitely showed. Like, my – I just didn't have the strength. Um, to keep up with all those NFL athletes out there on the field. And, you know, I wasn't getting open all season. Like, I couldn't get in and out of my breaks the way I used to. And, um, man, I was I was pissed off all season for sure. And yeah, that's so that- got to be so frustrating. And, and the flip side of that question is, though, and that's the other thing that we want to highlight for people is, yeah, you have just crap happens and it's it, – it, you know, for you being the first major injury that you've ever had and yeah. right in the, you know, when you're trying to make a name for yourself and make a, a spot for yourself. So what did mm-hmm. it require from you, Trent, to overcome that? Well, going into, uh, well, at the end of the season, you know, you have your like end of year meetings and um, I'm not going to say who the coach was, but I had like a, a meeting with one of the coaches and they told me they were like, you know, if I'm brutally honest with you, um, your performance um, throughout the season, you know, if if that's how, if like if you can't get back to your old form, then, um, you know, we're looking at like we would have to look at like letting you go. You know, if you can't um, find a way to fix it and start to keep up with everybody. And um, just hearing that at the beginning of the off season was like, wow, that like hit me right in the heart and. Just to, like, think about the thought of being cut by a team. Like, that would just, like, oh, that sucks. But, you know, so going into the off season, I always had that in the back of my mind. Like, the way the coaches viewed me at that point, like, at the end of the season, you know, I didn't – I wasn't producing the way I used to. So, you know, they all – it's obvious I took a major step back and – um they were they were all wondering if I was ever gonna get back to normal or not, and um, so I mean that was just that's just rough to hear right there in itself, mm-hmm. and um, so this whole off season I've kind of like isolated myself um, out here in California, you know, away from all my friends, away from family because like this is what I want to do with my life, and I'm I'm not gonna let that happen, so. I've been I've been getting after it this off season so far, um, but I mean we'll we'll see what happens when the season rolls around. You know, when you hear NFL, and you know everybody remembers that great quote from Jerry Glanville, the head coach of the Houston Oilers, way before your time. But I'm sure you've heard this expression, Trent NFL, which stands for not for long if you're not delivering the mail, so to speak, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, and so to to your point about that, and to Shelley's question about motivation or your you know your own personal struggle, uh, it doesn't take far for you to have to look. And before I get into this question, I want to let the listeners know again: you're listening to Too Much Grit to Quit. I'm Dave O'Hara, joined by my friend and co-host Shelley Till, and also Trent Taylor, wide receiver extraordinaire, going into year number three with the San Francisco 49ers. But Trent, you know, we talk about. 
adversity and, and building blocks and getting beyond things. And yeah, the great storied history of the 49ers and, you know, your own personal struggles and strifes. And then you look across the field to your counterpart, the other wideout, Marquise Goodwin, and talk about that. Well, he had an infant son die. And, and, you know, I think a lot of NFL fans remember him running uh, with a touchdown, a long touchdown and looking up at the big board and tears streaming down his face. And uh, at yeah. a much lesser degree of adversity with Jimmy Garoppolo going with three, he went through with his injuries and then C.J. Beathard and then Mullins as, as uh, Shelley and you talked about. But you see a lot of adversity in the NFL, but in your own team and, and not just in, in the game. But talk about a little bit how that impacted your team in reference to what Marquise showed everybody, um, he and his wife, and with that tragic tale about his son. And uh, he's a Bay Area or a Sacramento guy, so obviously he's very familiar with the traditions of you know the Niners. And he used to go to training camps as a little kid when they trained up by Sacramento and a great story Marquise has as you mentioned a little jealous because of the million dollars for being the fastest guy in the NFL but talk about that impact that that had on you know that was you know early in your career there with the Niners in your first year uh talk about the impact on the team that Marquise showed uh, that type of leadership or showing that type of grit in such personal tragedy man I, I couldn't even like imagine going through what he went through because you know he was with us um, the whole season and mm-hmm. um, like that week leading into that game um, I think he might have like he he might have missed one practice or he was like late coming in or something like that and um, like nobody knew exactly what was going on it like we just heard that like he had to go to the hospital with his wife and mm. um, just like we didn't know anything about it like but the whole time so the whole time he's going through that um, he's not showing any type of emotion, you know, he's out there, um, you know, getting work done, knowing that all that's going on. And, um, so we get around to like Friday or Saturday and, um, um, so like he, like that's when it's all happening. It either happens Saturday or like early Sunday morning before the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even like warming up for the game and all that, he doesn't say a word to anybody. He's just getting his work done, making it all happen. And so once he scores that touchdown and then, you know, gets on his knees and looks up to the sky, um, I didn't know what was happening, but there were a few guys who did know the situation, guys who were um, closer to him, um, like his cousin, Adrian Colbert. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew what was going on. And, um, Man, just once I heard that, I like had so much respect for him for going out there and uh, playing the way that he did because I couldn't even imagine like the feeling of that loss. Yeah, um, carrying your son for nine months and then losing him at birth like that—that's just like who that that. Well, and I, yeah, and I had to ask you because last time we had George on um, and also Shane Wallen and they were on the, with the team at the time. And uh, as I mentioned to you off the air and, and a lot of the listeners know, as I've said to Shelly, like Shelly, I've spent a lot of time in the Bay Area and a lot of Niners and uh, covering sports uh, in that area. And I saw a 
a documentary length on that. And you're right, it was Morning Of with Marquise. And that's why I knew so much about that. And like you said, you guys found out afterwards like everybody else did. And like you said, I, I guess one would have to question, and I could just hear it in your voice, and the hesitation even two years later almost, that it's still hard to comprehend uh, the amount of grit, quote unquote, or uh, intestinal fortitude it took for he and his wife both that she said no. And, it, and you're right, it happened early that Sunday morning. And she said, no, you need to go be with your team. And Right. And yeah. just hear it in your voice, uh, what, what an impact that has on a team. And that's, you know, and you hear that all the time about you're all is one and one is all, right? Right. And there's always, like, little stories like that that happen throughout the year that, like, they they don't even go mm-hmm. public, like, mm-hmm. like, like Marquise's story did. And so um, that's what makes a team tight, you know. That's what you gets bet. people close together because you go through those um, life situations together because you you know you're with your guys you're with the team all day every day throughout the season and so these are the guys that you grow close to and um like you're there for your teammates whenever um they're going through some big life um life-changing event like that and you know it's always good to know that you have um, a brotherhood of teammates that um that are going to be there for you um through that kind of situation that's what makes football such a great sport and I love that you said that, um, Trent, because I, I think that so often people on the outside, you all, you guys are, they dehumanize you. And yeah. Professional athletes are dehumanized by fans because all fans want to do is get on social media or get on Twitter or and just bitch about losing or that yeah. you didn't do this right or you you know oh heaven forbid you screwed up my fantasy football team this week right. yeah, the keyboard and it's pirates, just, what yeah. they don't understand is you guys are this is real this is real life for you and all of that stuff is going on and yet you continue to be professionals and come out on the field and do things like marquise goodwin did and as you mentioned so many other people that we don't even know the stories to and so it gets me a little fired up when i start hearing people you know getting like i said tooting their horns when you're you are busting your ass every single week in and week out and one thing i know about marquise and he's very vocal about his faith and i know your faith is very important to you yeah. as well and I'm, I gotta think that that came into play for you it's probably in play for you big time right now as you are as you said isolating yourself and really just focusing on getting healthy and getting back to your peak form but what role does faith play for you in the NFL and that means everything um, you know I wouldn't I don't think I would be here today if it wasn't for my faith um, for my faith in God and just um I know just throughout my life, I've always kind of had that peace and that trust um, with God because I feel like deep in my heart, I know this is like where he wants me to be. And I know that um, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. But at the same time, just because I like, I feel like this is where God has me, you know, I got to I got to work for it. Like nothing's given um, they're not going to give anything to me. Like, like God has a place for everybody in life, but at the same time, it's still, that doesn't mean that's not something that you have to work for. You know what I mean? Like God, God's going to give us the tools to be successful, but if you're not using those tools and if you're not like taking it seriously and 
doing what you need to do to get the job done, then it's not going to be given to you. Yeah, God so, doesn't move a parked car. Right, yeah. He gave me <laughs> all the tools that I needed to be successful. You know, he, did, he didn't make me 6'4", 220, but, um, you know, he gave me exactly what I needed, and I think that's just kind of like something that makes my story even better to hear because, um, you know, I wasn't as physically gifted as everybody else that I play with in the NFL, but I still know that this is where God wants me to be. And this is like, this is the platform that he gave me, um, to, you know, spread his word and show his love to other people. This is Too Much Grit to Quit with Shelly Till. I'm Dave O'Hara and Trent Taylor going into his third year in a couple weeks training camp for the San Francisco 49ers. And Trent is a wide receiver, and uh, we greatly appreciate Trent's insides and stories. And Trent, I'll ask you, and Shelly's always got our closing questions, so get ready. It's a humdinger. It's a real doozy, so (laughs) you better get prepared. And it's multi-layered, and so I'm going to duck out with an easy one, or I think it's an easy one. So (laughs) I'll ask you this. What is, if not words for wisdom, what is your mindset as i mentioned two and a half weeks and counting uh rolling into uh, your third season where's your mind at right now what are your thoughts or what words of wisdom do you have for anybody or just kind of let us know your thoughts right now my thoughts just leading up to training camp and all that Mm -hmm. um shoot my thoughts like every every day matters at this point like every every little rep that i take working out it's all like, it all matters. Every little thing that I do, everything that I eat. Um, I just had a pretty healthy lunch, by the way. So <laughs> that went well. And um, good. So everything, every little thing that you do right now, it's all going to end up um, paying off, either good or bad, uh, when the season comes. So um, this is my last couple of weeks to get as much in as I can without overdoing it, obviously. But, um, yeah, once training camp starts, then – that's it. Either you you prepared your body um, for a long NFL season, or you didn't. There's no there's no changing it at that point. So I'm doing my best to get the rest of it in while I can. I love it, Trent. We don't have a budget for a drum roll here, but imagine a drum roll. Here comes Shelly's question. No, get ready. Hold up, I got to follow up here before I drop the bomb. All right. Uh, because you talked about the physical side of things and being and being prepared, but I know that you have a special personal sports psychologist that you work with and so i just was curious if you wanted to share any of your favorite mental training exercises that you do with miss chapey um <laughs> yeah i'm i'm in love with some sports psychologists that i that i met not too long literally ago. <laughs> but um, by the way yes. when you putting a ring on that um, that's a no pressure so the tough questions are just starting trent i tried to warn you i tried to warn you <laughs> This but, um, really the tough one. No, I'm kidding. We've, but we've I really do cool, want to know about the mental stuff. Yeah, we've done some cool little mental visualization uh, things together. Um, one that I really liked um, that we did together, um, she's really good at it, by the way. Yes, um, she is. So we did this visualization thing to where I would just lay down, and I remember back to my the best game that I've had in my NFL career so far, and uh, you go into detail about it, like what was the weather like, like how cold was it, um, like what were you, like it was my Chicago Bears game my rookie year, so mm-hmm. like I was going back to feeling really sick because I actually had food poisoning that game, mm. so you just, you got to go through every little mental aspect of it that you can, like 
imagine like running on the grass, like cutting off the grass, like flinging the dirt up in the air. Um, you know, the feeling of getting hit, you know, bring back all those memories and, um, just really like re like, you know, replay that feeling in your mind and, you know, what it felt like and every play that you made. And then she takes it to leading into this upcoming season. Visualize, visualize yourself going into that first game and, you know, you got to see your, like, I think, visualization is such a important thing like more important than we even realize mm-hmm. yeah. and i think that's honestly something i've been good at my whole life um just being able to visualize myself making making the big play um like when it comes to crunch time you know making that last second um catch you know making making that clutch block whatever it is you know i think it's really important being able to visualize that kind of stuff and so Sarah's like taking me through it, you know. All right, mm-hmm. you're on the field now. You're warming up. Um, you've never felt better before in your life, and I'm just sitting there listening. And she's going through like, you know, the temperature in the air, like the wind blowing against your skin. And um, so we went through like every little detail possible, and um, she was just going through scenarios of me making a big play, you know, making a big third down catch you know she was rolling through all of it with me and i told her right after i was like i was like babe i'm ready like i'm ready to go play right now (laughs) ready to hit something she is good she is good we were doing it like right before bed like kind of like a calming down thing and i was like i'm like (laughs) amped up right now i'm ready to go this was not good before bed but it was a really good (laughs) exercise i like doing that with her a lot so all right shelly she's got a future in 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 sports psychology all right shelly and all right shelly and trent i don't want to i hate to be that guy but i got to be the hardcore timekeeper we got about three minutes so let's okay Okay, trent this is your last last one i want to know what you when you hear the word grit who comes to mind and what does the word grit mean to you um shoot. the the word grit i instantly think of my dad because everything he does in life he does it you know with that grit whether it's like um in the business world or whether it's coaching my middle school basketball team you know whatever it was in life and that's like what he always taught us you know whatever you want to do in life whether it's playing the piano if you want to be a doctor if you want to be a dentist or if you want to play in the nfl you got to do it with some passion you got to do it with some true grit and like that's what takes everybody to the next level um if you don't have that grit um when you're playing when you're playing football if you're if you're in college you know trying to train to be a doctor whatever it might be if you don't have that grit then it's going to be hard to make it because there's a bunch of other people trying to do the same thing as you and um that grit and that passion that's what takes you to the next level that i'll tell you what shelly said earlier you killed it my man great stuff we wish you the best of luck going into your third year uh training camp ever so close as uh you know we've warned you all all program and you're well aware uh coming up with and, and football fans are excited so trent taylor 
Going into his third year with the San Francisco 49ers, Shelly Till. I'm Dave O'Hara. This is Too Much Grit to Quit. Trent, I say this to all our guests, but we just don't, and I definitely mean it with all of them, but in particular with you, Shelly and I do. We got to have you back because I think yes. we just barely scratched the surface with you, my man. Right. Yeah, I'm down. Anytime y'all want. We love Trent, it. you're we awesome. It. You are awesome. Love you, and thanks for being on. Hey, love you. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Oh, it's our pleasure. You did a great job. And for Trent Taylor and Shelly Till, I'm Dave O'Hara and Too Much Grit to Quit. That's all from us. Thanks to all of you. This is Too Much Grit to Quit. Sports personalities Shelly Till and Dave O'Hara bring you non-sugar-coated stories of the famous, not-so-famous, and everyday hometown heroes who have overcome adversity and incredible challenges to achieve success. Too Much Grit to Quit. Discover the key to unlock the chains that keep you from achieving your dreams. Please subscribe, like, share, and download today.